Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm your host, John, and today we're going to be taking a first look at some of the other lovely review copy books that Lamentations of the Flame Princess have sent to us. Now, as I said in my previous episode, where we looked at Galileo 2, Judgment Day, Temple of the Worm, and Winnie the Shit, these are just a first look through these books. I am going to do fully in-depth reviews of them later. But since the Lamentation of the Flame Princess, people have been kind enough to send me these review copies. And it may be a short while before I actually get around to doing the detailed reviews. I didn't want to keep them waiting. and I didn't want to keep you waiting. So here's my first impressions of the books that I received. The first book is a thick boy called The Yellow Book of Breckwald by Matt Strom. And it's basically a sort of weird mishmash of a sort of a Hogwarts magic school style scenario mixed in with ancient and Arthurian legend. And it does a great job of sort of taking a couple of concepts we're familiar with, mashing them together and putting that unique Lamentations of the Flame Princess spin on it. Although I can't help feel that it's a little bit taking a sort of tongue-in-cheek jab at certain uh, recent releases from the world's most popular role-playing game, shall we say. But that's no bad thing, you know, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humour, and it's quite in character for the various Lamentations products. There's details in here about how you can basically run a game based on, you know, the sort of academic seasons and having your player characters be budding younger magic users at this strange school, which may or may not house the resting place of the legendary Merlin. I'm not sure how keen I am on that, to be honest, but the author handily gives some guidelines for if you don't want to take that tact, and it recommends, since this is set a little bit earlier than the sort of 17th, 18th century default assumed setting of Lamentations, that if you wanted to run it later, perhaps you could set it as a ruined version of this school with the NPCs inside being the restless spirits that wander its halls. And I quite like that idea. It certainly fits in better with the campaigns I tend to run. The mainstay of the book is a wonderfully mad funhouse style dungeon which features all manner of different areas such as aviaries with all manner of mythical birds and beasts stored in it ancient sort of fairy pocket realms located just adjacent to the real world and a whole variety of other stuff along with a lot of different npcs and interesting items and bits of flavor that you can bring into your game I think it's a really cool example of the Funhouse style dungeon. Now, how much you should get out of that will depend on your fondness for that style of dungeon. You know, the slightly nonsensical, wacky sort of dungeon. But I think it's a really good example of that. So if you enjoy that sort of thing, then it's probably the book for you. Next up is The Meanderings of the Mine Mind. And this is written by Mark Sable, and it's billed as an introductory adventure for Lamentations of the Flame Princess. And it's basically a sort of derelict silver mine that you and your players are going to explore. And without going into too much detail, because I don't want to spoil the sort of uh, the twist, I suppose, behind the adventure, but suffice to say, the mine is not what it seems. And you will find all manner of strange effects plaguing the miners there. Uh, you may be able to free them from these effects, but it will involve you delving into the nature of the mine 
and whatever looks behind it itself. It's very nicely laid out. The pages are as a strange sort of silvery blue colour, which is very appropriate given it's a silver mine in the setting. We get a nice introduction that explains to the GM on the first page what's going on. It gives you some good reasons to bring your players to the mine, and there's a lot of interesting random tables in it. The dungeon itself is a fairly small one. I believe it only has about eight distinct areas in it. However, there is a point where the author mentions that there is a large mine shaft potentially leading down to lower levels, but he leaves that up to the GM of the particular campaign to actually fill in that level. And I quite like that it puts me in the mind of a lot of the older modules for D&D where they'd give you a couple of levels of a dungeon and then they'd say, yeah, but if you want to expand it and take it further for your game, you do you, go for it, take this and run with it. The adventure itself is only there to serve as an introduction. And I think it does that really well, meshing together the idea of your more traditional sort of small scale dungeon but also incorporating the sort of weird concepts and rationales that are the bread and butter of Lamentations of the Flame Princess. And the book itself looks absolutely beautiful. The cover artwork showing a minecart racing over what looks like leprous tissue with lightning flashing obelisks emerging from it by Latchland Page. Apologies if I've got your name wrong. Looks absolutely stunning and really conveys the atmosphere and the vibe of the adventure. Next up is an adventure called The Black Chamber, and to read from the back of the cover, there is a black chamber, soot-covered, blood-splattered and encrusted in grime. Once you're inside it, conquistadors enter to exterminate. Blood and boiling mud comes pumping in. Spikes and blades emerge, but the real dungeon is beyond the black chamber, past the shifting walls. Any party worth their salt will escape the chamber and enter the mechanism that moves it. So that all sounds pretty interesting. The cover is quite minimalist. It just has a sort of weird blood splattery like black silhouette on it. It's a monochrome cover and black chamber is written in this sort of weird swirly font. All of the pages inside the book are black paper with white text on it, which I know it can be difficult for some people to read, but it is very striking visually. Although, to be honest, I think unless I was in a very well-lit room, I might find this a bit difficult to read myself. The heading font gives it a sort of weird like science fiction vibe. I'm not sure if that's going to be carried out through the rest of the adventure, but it certainly conveys that sort of feeling to me. It doesn't look like your stereotypical fantasy font, which is, I suppose, no bad thing, you know, if you're trying to make your adventure stand out from the rest. The adventure itself focuses around the titular Black Chamber, which was originally built as a secret sort of training facility for soldiers. However, something was discovered in the area which led to the Black Chamber falling under strange beings control and it sort of has a vibe to me of you know the the old black oil sort of alien style settings in the x-files which is no bad thing since i was quite a fan of the series back in the day it also might explain the sort of science fiction style font that has been used throughout the book for the headings essentially it seems from the adventure that the black chamber once entered as a sort of like training chamber for these soldiers as i said earlier and every so often it sort of uh, 
implants an enemy, a creature or something like that into the black chamber using a series of tables. And there's details of all of the possible creatures that you could face in there. Some are pretty standard, you know, giant rats, uh, you know, sort of standard warriors, pirates, undead, stuff like that. And then there's more bizarre stuff like what appears to be some sort of android that has like a meat mincing machine as part of its body down to albino panthers and mechanical arms so there's a wide variety of different things and that takes up a good portion of the book we do however get a description of what the rest of the hold looks like and the surrounding areas along with the dungeon which is the sort of mechanism and the area adjacent to the black chamber and by exploring that the pcs can find out what sort of influence has fallen over the area and perhaps combat it again it seems like a good example of a small dungeon with a bit of a novel twist at the start that of the black chamber which is effectively a trap for all intents and purposes but the idea of this adventure, rather than avoiding the trap, is you start in the trap, you have to fight your way out or work your way out, and then discover what's behind it and why it's gone so horribly, horribly wrong. And I think that's an interesting spin on an otherwise fairly normal sort of a dungeon adventure. And that's no bad thing at all. The next adventure we have, which is a much smaller one, is called A Gift for All of Norway. And it involves a dungeon delve into the body of a sleeping Jotun or giant who makes up a huge mountain range in Norway. We get some details on other people who might be involved in plumbing the depths of the dungeon for the reputed treasures that lie in there. Some random encounter tables and some reason to get the player characters involved. And then we move on to the actual dungeon, which, given that the mountain range in this adventure is the body of a Jotun or a giant, all of the discrete areas you see in the dungeon are modelled on a... But the internal organs of a creature, basically, with the initial caverns look being the small intestine. We then move on to an acid lake, which is obviously the stomach. The undulating tunnels, which are the esophagus. Nasal cavities, the mouth, the heart, etc, etc. And we get gorgeous little maps for all of these different areas with the cartography unsurprisingly being done by Glyn Seal, which obviously explains why it's so excellent and has his signature style to it, which I thoroughly enjoy. Again, I think A Gift for All of Norway is an excellent spin on the standard dungeon crawl, putting a little twist on it, making it a bit more interesting because it's the internals of this Jotun or giant. But Aside from that, it is a fairly basic dungeon. It's only a small pamphlet, but that doesn't make it any less worthy because of that. I think with a little bit of tweaking, I mean, after all, what sort of campaigns don't have giants in? Even if you didn't use the sort of Nordic slash real world background, you could easily drop this into any sort of D&D or OSR campaign that you were running. Hell, even if you don't have giants, you can just use some other huge humanoid creature 
and still pretty much use the dungeon as is, just with a few minor tweaks to the background. And I think this is a great little addition. Like I say, I'm a big fan of stuff that you can just drop into your games with minimal changing. And I think that a gift for all of Norway really ticks that box for me. Next up, we have a, another small pamphlet adventure called Do Not Accept This Quest, written by J.E. Evans II. The adventure is set in France anytime after October 1440, and the author advises you to run it with as much horror and repulsion as you can muster, using every trick in the book you know to put your party on edge and get them into that horror mindset. So straight away, the author's laying out his stall and saying, yeah, this is a horror adventure. And I'm a big fan of books which pretty much tell you from the get-go what sort of a vibe they're going for because it lets you as the GM know what to expect when you're reading the book. You can make informed purchasing decisions and also you can tell whether it's going to be for you. Because if you're not into a sort of grim and bloody horror then this may not be the adventure for you but if you are you know you can jump straight in with both feet and this adventure is going to have something for you in it. The adventure starts with the PCs exploring what is reputed to be a haunted house with a bad past. And it includes maps of the ground floor and the various different areas, which I believe, again, yet yeah, done by Glenn Seal. And you get the obligatory sort of encounters in there, you know, rat swarms and stuff like that. However, Behind a door with a broken mirror, a set of stairs leads down into an area filled with decay and the smell of death. And you enter into this surreal sort of cellar horrorscape populated by demonic creatures and the undead remnants of young people who have perished there. Now this may be quite off-putting for some people, but if you're not bothered by that and you want to embrace a, a sort of body horror vibe in an adventure that again despite it saying that it's set in France after 1440 I think with a few minimal tweaks you could very easily drop this into your campaign. The layout of the book is very clear and readable. I particularly like the all the stats for the various NPCs and monsters or in the little sort of box out. and It's very clear that you can see where the stats are for those, having a thick black line down on one side. So I think that's a great thing. And there's a few nice pieces of art scattered through, as well as the standard excellent cartography from Glenn Seal. And finally, we come to the last of the books that I've sent, and the moment that what I think is probably the grimmest cover. It's called Fecal Lands, and the cover effectively just looks like a big pile of turds. I'm not going to beat around the bush. The inside cover has a hex crawl showing what appears to be a massive landscape made up out of brown unpleasant matter with a few different points and bile green lakes dotted around it. The book describes itself as containing Details of a vile, otherworldly landscape for players to explore. Generally arriving unintentionally, they need to find a way to escape their terrible fates and get home. It's described as being written by Shatner Turdsmith, which I'm assuming is a pen name, and looking at the mud-splattered picture on the back, as well as the 
cartography. I'm pretty sure it was probably created by Glenn Seal, although I may be wrong. The book starts out detailing that the faecal lands are a pocket dimension of existence bound to the abyssal voids. And we get some rules for travelling across this unpleasant terrain, you know, breathing, food and drink, what sort of stuff you can expect to find there. We get a nice double page piece of artwork showing these bile green lakes and a pile of something probably best not contemplated looming up in the background. We get random encounters and hooks taking up a few pages. We get the unpleasant details on a disease known as a fecal rot and a hierarchy of the various creatures that exist within this unpleasant landscape, which I think is a nice inclusion since it gives you a visual idea of the sort of unholy hierarchy of the creatures that exist in this land. We get some magical items and we get some what I'd like to call like little like mini dungeons that describe a few of the locations plotted on the map. And we get some cool maps for each of those that are labelled with everything you need to run those locations so you don't have to go flicking through the book. We get a little bestiary of vile creatures. The book's words, not mine. I think they're pretty apt, including shit flies, maggots, excrement golems. Maybe think of the Golgothan from Dogma, fecal goblins, and other unpleasantness. Well, I'm pretty sure that fecal goblins would be an interesting addition to the Midlands. Maybe they clean up the unpleasantness in the streets. Who knows? We get various types of demons that are, shall we say, endemic to this particular location, all accompanied by wonderfully unpleasant artwork. Oh, we get a nice uh, size comparison table. You know, like the old ones back in the day when you see like the silhouette of a normal person and then you get the silhouettes of the creatures to show you how they fit in. And then at the back on the inside cover we get a map of the Fortress of the Fecal Lord made from petrified excrement and the home of the dung-encrusted ruler of this land. Now I've got a bit, given that the cover looks entirely unpleasant and the the subject matter is quite grotesque, which doesn't bother me, but you know, it might bother some people. I think the book itself, the actual layout, is actually pretty cool. And in a fairly small number of pages, let me just have a quick look how many there are. So we're talking like 31, 32 pages. You literally get like a, a pocket campaign world here. So you could have your players reach it by a magical gate or perhaps they tumble through a portal. Maybe they have to go there to recover something. Or maybe this is a, one of the layers of the hells in your world. And they have to go there to rescue the soul of one of their companions who died. Or something like that. I can think of dozens of ways that you could easily have your players tumble into the brown hot mess that is the fecal lands. And I'm not sure if I'd use it for a full campaign setting. But I don't think it's really designed for that. It's designed to be an unpleasant little hellhole that your player characters can venture into, grab whoever or whatever they're after, and get the hell out while the going's good. And in that regard, I think it functions admirably. And it's a really interesting concept I've not seen before. Like I say, it's not going to be to everyone's taste. And it's 
in that sort of bad taste, tongue-in-cheek sort of humour vibe that doesn't bother me, but it won't be to everyone's taste. But I think it's a really interesting experiment to try and put a mini campaign setting in such a small book. And I think that uh, our old friend Glyn Seal, who, reading on the back, I'm even more sure it's Glenn Seal, has done an amazing job with it. And he brings an amount of playability to what could just be seen as purely a joke or bad taste. He brings a lot of playability to it to the point that when I looked at the front cover, I was like, eh, not sure if this is going to be for me. But after reading it, as I'm sure you probably can tell, I'm already thinking of different ways that I could use this in future campaigns. So I really think if you can get past the subject matter or if it doesn't bother you, you could do far worse than picking up a copy of Fecal Lands. So there we are. That's the books that I've received from Lamentations of the Flame Princess. As I've said, I will be doing more detailed reviews. Hopefully the first will be coming out in a couple of weeks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're watching the YouTube version and you've enjoyed it, please like and subscribe and all that good stuff. You know, share it with your friends, etc. Likewise, if you're listening to the podcast, please let people know about it on Substack. It's very much appreciated and it really does help us out. If you want to get in touch with us, maybe be a part of a future conversation in an episode, then you can email us at rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. You can drop us a message on SpeakPipe, link in the description, or just drop us a comment on the YouTube versions of this episode. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun. <laughs>